0: It's not meant for you Run by run! They're trying to catch you
1: Good morning, Lake Hills Church. How are you today? Good. Great to see you. For those of you that I haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Mac Richard and I'm the pastor of Lake Hills Church, and you are brilliant. You need to turn to your neighbor and tell them, like you mean it, you're a genius. You picked a phenomenal, phenomenal day to join the Lake Hills family to be a part of a worship service. You know, Today is going to be a little bit different than what we normally do. What we typically do as a church is we pick a subject or a topic and then spend a few weeks exploring and explaining how that gets lived out within the Christian faith. And one of the things that we've noticed is that it doesn't matter what subject we talk about, there is always a connection to be made with our faith through faith in a relationship with God. Jesus Christ. To that end, last weekend we started this series called Beyond Friday Night Lights because, of course, we all know the incredible power of high school football, especially here in Texas, to unite and bring people together around a common goal and a common cause. However, we kind of believe that This need that we all have, this desire for community and connection with other people, it's so powerful, it's so, so deep in our lives that it's possible that even football, even football by itself is not enough to satisfy that need. And I realize that may be heresy for some of you in the room today, but we really do believe that there's more to it and that that the things that unite people the most are the things that matter the most. And so that's what we're kind of talking about in this series, Beyond Friday Night Lights. To that end, we've invited a couple of guests, a couple of friends to be a part and to join this conversation this weekend in something that we've never done before. This is a kind of a unique way of handling a Sunday morning. Taylor Kitsch is the actor who starred as Tim Riggins in the series, Friday Night Lights, as well as the actor who played Michael Murphy in the movie Lone Survivor. Now, Marcus Luttrell is the retired Navy SEAL and the subject and the author of the book that became the movie Lone Survivor. And we've invited both of these guys to be a part of this conversation to speak to this idea and this concept of community in the ways that matter most. So I wanna ask you if you will please stand to your feet and give a massive Lake Hills Church welcome to Taylor Kitsch and Marcus Luttrell. They do the same thing for me every Sunday. It's so strange. It's incredible, just, just awesome. Hey, guys, first of all, yeah, exactly, there's an applause light, just keeps going. <laughs> this was a good sermon, clap. No, we want to take just a real quick minute, and both of you, Marcus and Taylor, thank y'all so much for making the time to be here and, and speaking into this conversation that we're having about community. I know there are a lot of other things you could be doing, particularly on a Sunday morning, so thank y'all for being here today. We really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks for thank having you. Me. Absolutely. Marcus, as a matter of fact, Marcus and his wife, Melanie, were actually a little later than they thought they were going to be because they drove in. They lived kind of outside of the Houston area somewhere. And uh, they they got pulled over on their way to Austin today. They got stopped. So I I, I would just love, wouldn't you love to have like the dash cam video for the Texas trooper who
0: pulls over Marcus Luttrell? (laughs) I'm
1: I'm sorry, Mr. Luttrell. Go ahead, wherever you're going.
0: Well, either that, or there's obviously a lot of um, powerful people that you bring into the church because he, he must have been used to it because he didn't even look at us. <laughs> I was sitting in the back, and, and he, my wife rolled the window down, and she's beautiful. Everybody everybody stares at her, right? So he he was, they got that ticket thing down to a science. So I don't know if you've been pulled over in a while, but they he walks up, his license registration, he goes, there a medical emergency?" I don't even think he waited for the answer, and hit that window seal with that phone. Went back to his car, came back, have a nice day. And right when I was trying to say, thank you for your service, I'm sorry for, th-. he was gone, like in the wind, <laughs> burning somebody else down. He wasn't, wasn't,
1: wasn't going to have anything to do with Melanie. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Marcus, I want to start by asking you a question. You know, obviously, lone survivor, Navy SEALs, that story is, is widely, widely known. And a lot of people know from that movie and from the book what happened on the mountainside to the degree that we can. But I'd love for you to give us a little background, a little story behind the story. Tell us a little bit about your growing up years, what that was like, and kind of how you ended up becoming a Navy SEAL.
0: Sure. So I, I grew up Texas boy, fifth generation. You know, it's a big deal for us, right? Amen. That, I'm sorry. It's just Canadians. I know you guys are proud too. I love you. Put with Texas. He <laughs> just took a shot. Like a real deal. Shots fired. <laughs> yeah. I oh, was across the bow. <laughs> <laughs> So I uh, <clears throat> grew up on a horse ranch, thoroughbred and quarter horses. We, it was a breeding farm, and we also ran them. So I spent most of my time on the on the track on the weekends and working on the You know the deal of, for those of you living on the ranch is if you ain't working, then you're, you're being lazy, that kind of thing. Uh, my mother is the horse lady. She had horses growing up, and then she turned that in. I think at the most we probably had 700 head or something like wow. that. And um, four studs. <clears throat> Including my brother and I, so sick. <laughs> but, uh, just wow. Made that up, <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's an angel straight from heaven. She's a good Southern woman, and I come from a matriarchal family. The women absolutely run the show. They make all the decisions. They raise the men to be men. The only time I ever saw my father was his job was to come back in and enforce her will. So when uh, you know we got out of line or whatnot. So, uh, but she was also a hippie. A, a real one. I mean, so straight from the 60s. She's a real laid back, kind of chill lady. And my father was a uh, chemical engineer. Probably one of the smartest men I ever met. Um, and he was also an outlaw. So when I say outlaw, I mean like he was a real one. The first person I ever saw get shot was my father. When I was in third grade, and the first person I ever saw get killed was a hitman who came in to do it. So it was uh, that kind of that kind of life. It's like something out of a movie.
2: Again, that's gonna be a movie we're <laughs> doing in a year or two. It's I'm prompting a, you, Taylor, for that. For, yeah, we for, right? don't so know. Basically, what I'm Marcus, yet. The,
1: the seals were like a step down from home. Like uh, you went to the seals as a reprieve. This like, is like a vacation. <laughs> I had to leave home to get a break.
0: So uh <clears throat> but uh like I said, the women run the show, and it's uh, in my family. If you, you can trace this back, well, before we were a country, actually, early 1700s. And if there's a scrap going down, our, we're in it. That kind of deal. I, uh, there's a picture of Teddy Roosevelt with his Rough Riders, or sitting in front of the tent. That my grandfather's in that picture. Uh, and um, every war, World War II, one, Korea, Vietnam. My father was in Vietnam, and I, I think maybe one of the reasons he was so tough on him, because we come from American warrior class. That's a real thing, all you warriors out there. You know what that means? There's a there's a feeling you get, and that kind of what drives you in the direction you go in life. And that was ours. But it, um, the Vietnam guys were shamed out of their uniforms, and that it's not it's an honor thing to, to wear it. So maybe that was why he was tough on us. But uh, you know, around 14 years old is we had the idea to be Navy SEALs. And when I say we, I have an identical twin, and he's actually the alpha of the two of us. Um, anything you've heard about me or Think crazy, it's nothing compared to what that Joker's done, because I've followed him my entire life. Matter of fact, I always had to go first, and if I made it through with no damage, then it was a great idea. If I came out of there <laughs> bleeding, he's like, I'll rethink this. And um, <laughs> so we're, uh, we're mirror twins. He's the left side, I'm, I'm the right side. I'm right-handed in, in, in everything we do, so it was kind of the, the split. I'm the beta, and uh, I followed him blindly, and he's the one that came with the idea to be SEALs. And I don't know what he saw on TV or what magazine he read, but it had him fired up. And I was down in the barn feeding the horses. And he's like, I know what we're going to do. We're going to be Navy SEALs. It's going to be great. We jump out of airplanes, shoot guns, blow stuff up, and there's a pretty good chance we're going to die. And I was like, right on. Sign me up. Because <laughs> <laughs> our, our plan was the first 40 years of our life, we ran together. And as hard in the pain as we could, You, you youth is a tool. You take advantage and try to learn anything and everything you can. And at 40, we literally stop what you're doing and completely change directions and take all that knowledge. And it's like starting over in kindergarten with a new life and all that experience. and No wife, no kids. That was the, uh, the, the agreement. We, because we were married to that life. Don't get me wrong. Guys can get it done. And women, you, y'all are so powerful and everything mental and, and physical. You can take twice as much pain as we can. That's by design. And that's serious business. And uh, the only difference with us is how fast we can dish it out. And that's because of the way we're built as well. And um, <clears throat> Yeah, as a matter of fact, that when I met my wife, you know, I stopped everything. Everything I, every, I put half my paycheck away my entire life. Couldn't even touch it for a rainy day because I wanted to go to med school, or if I got married, I took all that, put it on her finger, and we started over together. And that's what we did. So it was, uh, it was great. That's amazing. That's incredible. Now, Taylor, your story's a little bit different. Nope, pretty
1: much the same. <laughs> right? That's why we're so.
2: Except yeah. in Canada, that's all. That's it. That's it's it. just it's location
1: just is copy, the only Canada. difference between yeah. us,
0: really. Colder weather. Yeah. Such a cliche. Yeah, isn't life? <laughs> I don't want to bore you guys. Yeah, isn't life a cliche?
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, I could listen to that for another forty uh, easy. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I grew up in a tiny town, one light town, four hours east of uh, Vancouver. Uh, my dad left when I was one, and uh, he was a pro race car driver and uh, got into construction. And then there's, I have two older brothers. And then um, at 14, my mom had two girls, and I raised those two girls with my mom. And then, uh, as we're here and you see the turf, it's very much like I, I was born with a hockey stick in my hand, right? Um, which, as we do up in Canada, it's very similar. And that's, I think, you know, doing FNL and and where Riggins comes from is really a lot of my own childhood and and just the relatability of what that means to community and and the friendships and everything else. And, um, but yeah, so it was just a hockey stick until I was around 20, blew this guy out uh, twice and then had an opportunity to go study acting. I never even knew it was like an opportunity even existed to even explore that and but i always loved storytelling and, and speech writing actually and, and doing that stuff and i had an opportunity to go
1: and i swung so how did you ever how did that even land on your radar screen cuz here you're on this you're from this small town in mm-hmm. canada hockey player you blow yeah. out your knee twice oh i know i'll go act if, <laughs> you, if you, have, you look
0: like that i mean when, yeah, boom <laughs> Talk about a double threat guy yeah. athlete and the looks right so you put your knee out <laughs> I know saying. what I can do. stand here and make money <laughs> 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 <Right>? <laughs> you know you you you're joked up with this ugly armor like I was, man you got to do the, the hard route <laughs> if I, if the first one falls out of play I would have just stood in the battlefield just not moving
2: take the expose the face so
1: anyway. Marcus, thank you. Yeah.
0: <laughs> follow me. They won't shoot him in the face. Come on, guys, follow us. Women will be listen, a too upset.
1: You, you can tell a conversation with Marcus is always incredibly rewarding and incredibly challenging. It's always like, ooh, something shiny. So, yeah, that's what I'm part of why I love you. Out. But so, how did, how did acting end up on your radar screen? Um, I
2: had a opportunity, someone exposed me to basically go there in New York and model. And, uh, there. which by the way, did not go well. Uh, I ended up being homeless and, uh, living on the subway for a bit. And then also I lived in an apartment with no electricity for a long time. And I was living actually off my best friend's, girlfriend's blow up mattress. And uh, quick story was, uh, I I would get candles uh, from her and him, and that'd be my light. And I'd fell asleep on this blow up mattress, Uh, and uh, all of a sudden I was in Spanish Harlem, so 180th in Washington. You're way up there, no joke. And uh, all of a sudden I have the uh, fire department and police hammering on my door, (laughs) uh, because they thought it was on fire. With all so the candles. candles, someone across the way was saw flames. <laughs> so I'm like, just freaking out. And uh, anyways, it was a good moment. <laughs> yeah, that's what that was. Defining. Yeah, but I mean, I think you know, we go back to that and full circle of just you know, at the time you don't really you you don't wake up and you're like, oh man, this is so hard and and poor me at all. It was just something that. I love doing. It was part of the grind. I think that was a big reason why I got or have accomplished certain things. And, and the relationships on the way that facilitated that, that you, you come across people that believe in you more than you believe in yourself sometimes. And I think that takes a lot to let them in as well. Right. You know?
1: Yeah. I think you, know, you talk about growing up in a family that was nontraditional. Your dad left when you were very young, and then your mom, and then these sisters come along after that. Did that factor into for you, like letting those people in and and learning how to trust those people?
2: I think, I think even this relationship, it's just there's an unsaid. I don't know. There's just an under underlying understanding of w- one another where you don't have to prove so much to one another. There's just. I don't, it's the intangibles you know oh look I mean with this it's obviously there's a utmost respect for his service and I mean to no end in what he's gone through and and but really I mean if he was not a great guy we wouldn't be sitting here you know and I, as a family man I respect him as a father but As a friend, you know, we've been through post-loan, you know, I've had a family member that was literally dying that he, I think through all this, not to go on a crazy long tangent, but through certain low points, as I'm trying to help a family member, you see the true colors of people within your circle and your family, and... I'd say I can count easily on one hand that we're there and not just saying or texting being like, Hey, how you doing? Is she okay? Or, you know, what's going on? Or it's, Hey, what can I do? Right. It's the actions that speak so much louder. And he was like, let's go to the ranch, you know, let's go there and we'll figure it out, you know, and every day trying to put his words into action. I think that's where that, you know, love for one another and the trust and everything is built through the action of it, of not just pacifying and being like, oh, I feel guilty for not doing anything. I should text him. Yeah. You know, so I think that's where that relationship really kind of grew into what it is. Well, and
1: I had a little window into y'all's relationship and the trust because I was talking to Marcus and running this whole idea about Beyond Friday Night Lights by him through the grid of his time in the team's and everything else. And I said, We're calling it Beyond Friday Night Lights. He goes, I can get Kitch and, and so that. <laughs> and so he did and ran. And I know he, you know, talked to you and then sent me your number. I called you. You don't know me from Adam. And I kind of ran the idea by by Taylor. I go, Would you mind being a part, of, or would you be interested in being a part of a service one son? He went, Yeah. And I went. That has nothing to do with Lake Hills Church. That's how much he trusts Marcus and that connection and that relationship. Going back to when you played Murphy in Lone Survivor because that story is obviously so, so personal, so, so real to what you went through, for you to trust him with that story and and really with Murphy's life. You know, I think it, it says volumes about Both of who you are individually, and then the relationship and the trust that you have with each other.
2: Uh, I'll say I know you hate me talking about you like this all the time. (laughs) You're just right here, just like I'll sing his praises even more. But it's there's a few things that stuck with me uh, of playing Murph. One, it's you know uh, three out of the four obviously that were in the fight passed, and he had said. More in passing and not driving it, which landed a lot heavier, but of where this is a legacy that he's still alive and he can tell his story and who Marcus is. You get to meet Marcus. But the thing that stuck with me during prep and when we were getting ready to shoot it, it was people are going to know Murph from your portrayal, from the spirit that you bring to him. And that just fell so heavy on me, and I, I just it's a beautiful responsibility as well. And obviously there's fear or whatnot going into it because I'm out of my element. I'm not trained. I'm not, you know, I didn't live it, but it's a beautiful thing when you have people that entrust in you and, and empower you with that, yeah. you know? And it's how you react to that fear. If you want to succumb to that and be like, oh man, this is just so much pressure. I can never live up to, but it, it's, that's not what it's about, you know? It's, it's about servicing the story and Murphy and, the biggest compliment I had and, and still to this day is his family have, have thanked me and, and obviously this relationship with Marcus, you know. So that's yeah. any critic or it doesn't matter, you know. It's everything kind of lies within that of right. the family and, and,
1: and Marcus. That's huge. That's, that's amazing. Um, Marcus, you've been pretty open about how once you came out of the teams and retired, your, your body had kind of just said enough you, from everything that you had been through, you've been pretty open that that, that transition was not easy no. and really, really hard personally. Talk a little bit about, about what that was
0: like, but more importantly, how and who brought you out of that? I It was, it was actually the worst time and the best time. I, um, I'm a big Spider-Man fan, so I call this period my black Spider-Man years. And, uh, <clears throat> hey, go with what you got, right? And, uh, what happened to me is they pulled everything away from me. They pulled my friends away from me. And I, I have the same friends I've had my entire life since kindergarten. And I have them because they possess a strength that I possess as a weakness. And it doesn't have to be a physical thing. It can be a laugh or, or whatnot. And we, you know, we survived together. We've been through everything together. And I, I, I was never, I was born a twin, a little bitty, weak. I had I couldn't see. My eyes were messed up. Like I said, I was had that ugly armor on from birth. So, I it, you know, life was a struggle for me. And, you uh, I just. Um, you were little coming out of high school, weren't you? I was five, six, 154 pounds at, when I graduated high school. Yeah, this is all government work. So, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I was one of those guys when I signed up made in SEAL teams. I was like, where's the program where I get the shot and turn green and grow? I mean, whatever. whatever. You know, guys who lose their limbs, a lot of them are bummed out. I, I'm, I've, my body has been torn apart. Uh, and it's all titanium now, and that's great. I, man, I'm a Terminator. Let's go put it on there. I, it used to be back in the day when guys would um, get hurt, they would hold on to their legs as long as their their appendage. I mean, surgery after surgery. Now, guys will get a splinter, and be like, take that sucker, and I want that model leg right there, and you know, it's it's unbelievable, um, the, the tech, and it's because of the, our people, how amazing they are. Everyone was put here for a certain reason. Mine was to uh, the warrior, American warrior class, and then we have the, the medicine, the hunters, the fishermen, the doc, you know, all that. And that's what makes us special, and that's why our canvas is different color as opposed to the rest of the world. I mean, we're beautiful in that own regard. Your, your exterior is what identifies you as being unique. Uh, the inside and your will to take pain for each other is what uh, brings us together as a family, and that's why SEAL training is the way it is. It's, you have to volunteer for it because they literally torture you to death, and you, you beat yourself to to where there's nothing left. The body literally is just standing and and holding this in place. And this can't be broken unless it gets touched. And knowing that you shouldn't suffer one day in your head ever. Because as soon as this thing heals up, you're ready to rock and roll. And it's also let your body and your brain know what you can take. Right. And the reason we're so close, I mean he, Mike Murphy was my you know my brother. I loved him and we went through hell together. And to film that movie, I had to take them that t- to that place. They just didn't Show up on set, and we showed them right then and there. I mean, we, I had them before that for months, and we trained, and they they went through the entire program to where I have the same relationship with him as I have with Mikey. He's like, I just get to finish my life with him now. I mean, that's why you know I love him like a brother, and uh, it's throughout my life, man. I I like to say that everybody I come up against is like a sharpening stone, or. A, And they will either dull me, they'll polish me, or they'll sharpen me. And in the SEAL teams, I was around stones that kept me sharp. Those blades don't ever allow you to get dull because the dynamic changes every day. And we have to be prepared for everything. I was never the greatest in anything, but SEAL stands for sea, air, and land specialists, and that's what I am, a specialist. And when they took that away from me, that part of it, I got reassigned to you guys, the literary world. I lived with the writers of the Hollywood, I lived with Pete and these guys, and they became my new team because, let's face it, when are you truly happy is when you're around your friends. I mean, you want to go, you don't think time travel is not possible, you can't go back in time? Sure you can. I get around my friends that I grew up with from fourth grade. If you want to go back to fourth grade, boom, turn on some music, whatever it is, we start talking about it and we are there. <laughs> and um, you just can't go forward. And the only way you can do that is second by second. And how you do that is with the people around you. And if you had this much fun when you were kids, can you only imagine how much fun you'd have when you were adults with them? And that's why I hold on. I, I don't make just acquaintances, man. I get next to you, I'm next to you. And I was, and I'll take pain for you. Because yeah. I can handle almost, I've been prepared for and trained by y'all to, t- to take most anything. That's why I'm not a hero. Hero is somebody who gets in a situation that they're not ready for. And then you, you step in and hoping that everything goes well. And normally it Hopefully it does or it doesn't. You've trained me to handle every scenario. So if it does pop up in front of me, I'm not being a hero. I'm just doing what you expect me to do. And you guys, I can't even, I don't have the vocabulary to express the life I have. The only way I can quantify it is to say I would go through every ounce of pain I went through my entire 40 years just to relive the last three days. And that happens every day. So thank you for that.
1: When you got home, you came back to Texas, and you were in a pretty dark spot. But it was, it was
0: people yeah. that, so I, that pulled you of, out. I recovered in the governor's mansion. Lady Perry found me right out of the military and moved me in there. You just show, literally showed <laughs> up. showed up. Well, they, they made a mistake in inviting me. The governor's like, hey, you get back. I was going back to Iraq. So after Afghanistan, I was in the hospital for about a year or so. And then I went back to Iraq in 06 and 07 to uh, Ramadi, and I got hurt again. My body just kind of fell apart on me. And um, I, I showed up. and I was at the hospital here in Austin and I was walking by and I just kind of knocked on the door. I was like, hey, I'm here for that steak dinner. And I didn't leave <laughs> for f- until I met my wife. I mean, I was like this weird guy in the attic. So uh, I would literally, there would have these high profile important people or actors in the mansion. And I would come down. I mean, I was upstairs recovering. Lady Perry's a nurse. She was a mother to me. And he's a father to me. I, 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 yeah. We don't even need to talk how, how wonderful they are. But he, t- he he taught me something about to be a statesman by default, just hanging around him. Because they would drag me to the hot, ha- they would make me get better. And as I, um, the problem was I'd never taken a drug before, and I got hurt, and they gave me the Vicodin, and uh, man, it was great. <laughs> I, you know, I I had a wonderful time on it. I guess everybody else didn't like me on it, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those deals that they tell you to, to heal up you have to take it otherwise your body won't heal right and I'm very in tune with the way my body moves so I would build up a tolerance for it and then I would just when it's time to get off I would just fly I'm a cold turkey guy I was, there's nothing I can't handle <laughs> well, I know why people stay on that stuff because <laughs> the withdrawals you're, it's your, and the funny part it's your body telling you I mean it, I even had the pain come back and I was like no I'm still hurt but what that is is your body knows, it likes it so much that it remembers what it had to tell your brain to get on it. And it will, it's a phantom pain. And once I figured that out, I was like, I just went through, the, they weren't even that bad anymore. I figured out a way, but I mean, there were times I was like, what the hell's? you know, when your arms start shaking for no reason, like what, what the hell is that, you know, and that would because your body is doing whatever it can to get back on it. And I would just muscle through that, and after 15 surgeries, 20 surgeries, I you mean, know, now I'm back. You, know, I'm a, you guys have put me back together. And like, I don't, like I say, I don't have my race car frame back on. It's more like a tow truck frame, but I can still move <laughs> and I have the, the greatest life ever. And um, it's just because of my uh, will to see the clarity that I see. You know, we all try to explain why we, we, we love each other we're not racist down here in the South and why we, 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 my eyes are so messed up, I, I couldn't see right. And I thought, like, oh, you know, I don't see in color. As a matter of fact, I, I actually do now. I see every color, and I see it very vividly. And I mean, up to the shades. And it just lets me know all your color is is your body armor. It identifies where you, uh, what part of the garden, the Garden of Eden, is actually Earth now. It started small in Mesopotamia, but as we grew as a people, the garden had to grow. And this is what we live in. And your, your color denotes of where you work in the garden and how you work there. That's it. That's what the body is designed for. The, the brain, the consciousness is all of uh, God's memories plugged into, uh, into our brain. Anyways, that's pretty deep. Uh, <laughs> what were we talking about? This, <laughs> just so you know, this, Taylor will back me up.
1: This is a normal conversation with Marcus. My wife's going to be upset. He like, told me to keep it. He is Just absolutely. a morning coffee combo right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, or text. Hey, we're in church. This is a beautiful thing about when you come to church, right? You're.
1: But uh, here's the deal, though. What
0: hey, you talk you just about said that a weird stuff. Ago,
1: <laughs> what you just said a second ago, though, was, I think, so powerful. Because, like, when Governor Perry and Ms. Perry were, he was the governor, I you were living prep. in the mansion. Nobody knew. There no. were no photo ops. There were no press no, releases. No. That was them, and especially Anita,
0: loving you. I'm a son. I, and saying, you don't have to live like this. Yeah. You don't and have to be born everybody think your father your mother that's your fam- family. Yeah. This is my family. If you spill blood or shed blood with somebody if you're willing to sacrifice everything for somebody that's your family. And we're all family by the way. I mean, I did my genealogy test. Wait, we're all related. <laughs> 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 yeah, found that out. So, Taylor, let me, you,
1: let me ask yeah. you a question. When you when you think back to doing the movie Lone Survivor, you told me that you'd already read the book and you knew the story. I just read
2: the Murph parts. I didn't read the whole book. (laughs) Sorry, man. That's
0: why the movie turned out the way it did. We can only play the parts he read.
2: (laughs) No, of course. Uh, I was with Pete Berg, who wrote and directed it, and uh, we were actually here in Austin, and he had been with Marcus already, and he was thinking about it for years earlier. This was a, a
0: very arduous process. And who these yeah, guys? I didn't know that either, man. That's he's right. What you do? Yeah. The act, man. They, they really work. It's something.
2: Um, but uh, yeah, and he was just like, I, you know, read this book and I think about Mike, you know, Murphy when he pops up and and tell me, and then I read it that day and then uh, read it again and then uh, hit Pete up and I'm like, when you're ready, I'm ready. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: When you took on that role, I'm just I'm trying to put myself in your shoes seems like the responsibility of playing, because that, that's, you know, Tim Riggins is a fictional character. I don't want to shatter anybody's dreams yeah. out there, but I mean, but, but you're, playing, you're playing somebody who's a real person, who's got a family, who's got a story and all those things, and you're going to be, Marcus was intimately involved in the filming to keep the story accurate and, and all those kind of things. Talk about how, you, how do you handle that responsibility?
2: I love it. I think it's the most flattering thing I could have as an actor and storyteller and and i don't know it's I'm very spoiled in the sense i'm uh, very fascinated by the the whole thing the story and everything but i get I'm very lucky that I can go into these realms yeah. and I can meet these different people, the real you know people that the story needs to be told and I think when I get an opportunity like this. You're servicing something bigger than yourself, and that's at the end of the day a beautiful thing when you give yourself to it, and to be a part of that. And and again, this movie. And I'm not saying this because Marcus is here. I've said it before, and it's it's given back way more than I've even put in on so many levels, right. and taught me so much more about myself as well. And and.
0: Uh, and
2: I'm really lucky to have been a part of that.
0: Now, let me say it like this. this is. This just popped into my head. The reason we're as close as we are is you need to understand. Mike Murphy was my best, one of my best friends, my brother, and up and we lived our lives together in hell all the way up to the point of that mountain. And I didn't get to come off that mountain with him. And then I went back to the mountain with him as Taylor Kitch, and he turned into Mike Murphy. That's who I came off with. And all the memories I've made forward with him are the same memories I would have made with Mikey. That's why he's so close to me. He just filled that. I mean, I see his face, and I see all his mannerisms because of what we had to go through to, to for for him to get into that mindset. I mean, he's not Tim Riggins, He is, because if he doesn't exist, then he does. That's what makes him a great actor. Right. He can, and he was so good at it that he, 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 he has my love, the same love I had for Mikey. Wow. So I... I mean, yeah, they did an amazing thing, and it, uh, I didn't get to come back with with that version, but it's the same thing, really. Yeah, yeah. Because we can talk about. He knows that what happened up there. I can talk with him like I was talking with Mikey. Yeah. If that, does that make sense?
1: No, it does okay. it does. I mean, to to the I think to the degree that any of us out here can comprehend, it makes sense. I don't think any of us would pretend to tell you we understand, but I'll tell you it makes
0: sense, and that that's a that's a big difference. Let's I think. So you win your friends, your real ones, and everybody in here's gone through something tough with somebody. I don't care who you are. It's the same thing we do, we just do it on that level. Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm Taylor, I want to ask you a question that I'm just this is a strictly curiosity question. No. <laughs> yeah, Purple. Yeah, yeah. Purple. <laughs> at, at doing what you do for a living and, and really just knowing a little bit about you, it's a it's a calling. I mean, it's it's who you are. You could live anywhere on the planet, really, that you wanted to. What made you choose the Austin area? Uh, We're not giving out your address. I'm right. just curious. Like, what was I
2: when I got FNL? I literally didn't know where Texas was. So let that sink in for a <laughs> second here. It's
1: a very obscure
2: place. Let me let me preface that point with I've been here 13 years and it's home. Yeah. But um, they don't we, have
0: Texas history in Canada.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all we learn. Yeah, Marcus, you know what's funny? My wife is from Mississippi. She was shocked when our kids started getting Texas history in school. I was like, honey, this is Texas. Mississippi doesn't teach this because have you seen Mississippi's history? So, I mean, it's.
0: Hence we, my point. Know, Texas history is a little
1: different. But anyway, I interrupted.
2: Sorry. Um, And then, uh, I mean, myself, Kyle Chandler, Connie Britton, uh, Jesse Plemons, Palicki, that's 60% of the cast that still has homes here. There's something about this area, these people, that, I don't know, in the best way possible, kind of grab you and don't let go. And I love that, and... um, I don't know. I was like, I was in Colorado all week, and uh, I just getting on the plane from Dallas to down here. It's like the twang hits, and I'm like, oh, I'm going home. <laughs>
0: I love that. And uh, there's just something about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's our it's our nexus, right? It's, and the further you go out into our state, you'll run into the cowboy with the draw, where you don't talk back to the, we get your ass whip, or your butt whipped in by the sheriff and then we just got kind of to migrate It's the Capitol. So you want to know what Texas is like? You come here to see all different kinds of people. You want to know what the extreme version of them are? Head outward. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, on behalf of the Lake Hills Church family, we are beyond great. I know there's so many other things you could be doing today and I, I can't imagine how many Actually,
0: other- sir, it's Sunday. We're we're supposed to be in church, right? We're in church time.
1: But anytime I can talk about myself, I
0: think that was a trick question, right? We were supposed to say that
1: in church, sir. But on behalf of the Lake Hills family, thank y'all both for making the time to be here and being a part of this conversation. We're Thanks incredibly grateful to you, Taylor Kitts and Marcus Luttrell. Y'all will just have a seat for just a hot second, Taylor. I know. I know you're from Canada, and you can't help that. But we uh, we wanted to just kind of make a presentation here that uh, because of who you are, and obviously Tim Riggins helps a little bit, a lot. But you are home, and uh, today we want to present you with a certificate from Governor Greg Abbott that states you are from now on an honorary Texan. Taylor Kitch, honorary Texan, you bet, man. Hey, it's official. Taylor Kitch and Marcus Luttrell. That's church. <laughs> This is one of those days where you just kind of like, I, I began praying about and preparing for this weekend and, and thinking about what it would look like, and, and you kind of know a little bit of Taylor's story and Marcus's story, but when it's all said and done, once, once we get out here, man, it, it was all bets are off, and uh, as you could tell, the conversation could go any number of directions, but that's part of what I think is healthy about church, We're a collection of people, and uh, I I think it's important for us to remember that, listen, Taylor Kitch, Marks Luttrell, awesome, very, very good guys, love each other, great at helping us kind of focus and frame the conversation around community, but I think it's really important that we remember before we leave in just a few minutes that what we're talking about is actually a soul-deep issue. You know, we said last week that a community is a group of people committed to each other and to a cause greater than themselves. And as powerful as the commitment of our military, willing to die on our behalf, as powerful as any other community or group can be, the family of faith is united around the person and the purposes of Jesus Christ that he is our hope, he is our truth, he is our grace in this world, and he is the one that drives everything that we're about. And so I think it's important for us to remember what that that looks like. In the book of Ephesians, chapter number 4, the Bible says something really, really profound. Ephesians, of course, is the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, a group of people just like us, an an imperfect family, but this is what Paul writes to the Ephesians. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. You know, when Paul says a prisoner for the Lord, that's not a, a euphemism or a metaphor that he's using. He was actually literally in prison for being a follower of Christ. And it was from a prison cell that he was reminding the church not not just at Ephesus, but the church today, to keep the unity of the bonds of peace, to, to do everything that you can, make every effort to stay connected to Christ, to stay connected in peace to one another. That's what, that's what real community looks like. It's, it's great to have acquaintances. It's great to have friends. Hey, how you doing, bud? Good to see you. But community, community, those are the people to whom we are committed. And we're, we're not only committed to them, we're committed with them to a cause greater than ourselves. I think as we get ready to go out from here today that it's important to remember for us to experience real community, the community we were created for. We don't need to add something to our to-do list. As a matter of fact, I think most of us need to take some things off of our to-do list. In order to experience the kind of community that we were created for, most of us need to do less and be more intentional about the things that matter most. That is how we develop and build community. I love what Marcus said that he and his brother Morgan, when they were SEALs, they were SEALs. That, that That was the deal. That was the life. And so for us to remember a lot of times we need to say no to some good things in order to say yes to the best. And that's our calling. And so I want to just ask you in this final moment, if you will, bow your heads with me for just a moment. And I want to have a word of prayer with you as a family, as a community of faith. Because the fact of the matter is, if we're going to know if we're going to experience the kind of community we were created for, we have to know, we have to experience the one who is our creator. It all begins, it is all sustained and driven by and fulfilled in a relationship with Christ. If you're here today and we can do anything to help, if there's there's a question that you have, maybe, maybe there's something in your life that you would like prayer with or about. When you walked in this morning, you were given a program, and inside that program is a Connect card. If there's anything that we can do to help, that Connect card is there for you. That's a way for you to begin a conversation, a dialogue. Just fill it out and let us know how we can help. Once you've filled that card out, before you leave, tear it off at the perforation there along the fold and just hand it to one of our ushers on your way out. Or or maybe there's a a blue canopy that you'll see out underneath the, the big front porch. Just hand that card to one of them and we'll do whatever we can. As a family of faith, the community of Christ. Let's pray together as we get ready to go out together. I want to invite you, if you would, as you remain in a spirit of prayer with your heads bowed, would you mind just standing right where you are? Let's stand together for a word of closing prayer. And remember, as we go out from this place, we are the church. We are that community united in Christ no matter where we go, no matter what we do this week. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the privilege of being in this place today because you have been here. Father, your name is the name that is above every name. You The draw. You are our hope. And Father, as we get ready to go out from this place, as we scatter throughout this coming week, keep us united. Keep us bound together in the peace that passes all understanding. Father, go with us. We thank you so much for Marcus and for Taylor. God, we lift them up to you and we pray your blessings over them, their work, their families. And Father, we give this time to you and we give ourselves to you for the week ahead as we pray this prayer together in the name that's above every name, this same Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Have a great week and God bless you.